0: Welcome to It All Boils Down to This, the podcast where father and son take the kitchen table arguments and heated discussions from their home directly to yours. Jim and Jack Boyle will explore the world as only they can. We might even let a few guests join the fun. So sit back, choose a side, watch the water temperature rise, and enjoy stimulating generational conversation about sports and life.
1: to let me know should I stay or should I go should he stay or should he go I'm doing this alone this week he's not here he's in Arizona whatever you want to call him my co-host my dad Jimbo Mr. Boyle but guess what he nailed it with that World Series pick I'm surprised I picked the Braves I had always I had had always thought I had the Astros this year but I I guess I had the Braves I was I was wrong on both fronts him picking the Rangers, it's annoying when he's right. And, and he, he made that Rangers pick, and they lost seven games in a row. They lost seven games in a row after he made the pick. We're all making fun of him. He never quit on it, though, and uh, and good for him. Good for him for getting that right. He's a little bit biased because I do know uh, my mother, his wife, it has a coworker. That uh, works and her son actually works in the front office for the Texas Rangers. He survived like two regimes now. So he must be pretty goddamn good at his job. And, and that he's a little bit biased in, in towards picking Texas. He was always waiting for an opportunity to pick Texas. And guess what? They had a really good team. Really good team. Uh, deserved to win that World Series. You know, smoked them, really. Uh, the first two games, um, I thought Arizona played good. Game one was a classic, right? A classic. Arizona had to have that game and they didn't have it. Uh, Seeger hits that, hits that two-run homer. Garcia comes in with the 17th walk-off in the history of the World Series. Walk-off home run, that is. Think about that. They've been playing the World Series since 1903. He just hit the 17th walk-off. Only 17. That game was—it was great. It was great. But guess what? I don't know how many people were that enthused for this World Series because that game did not get very good ratings. Well, it let's not say that game didn't get very good ratings. Its ratings were not as high Game 1 of the World Series those ratings for that classic World Series game were not as high as the ratings for the Women's National Championship final. Basketball, that is. Now, Caitlin Clark was amazing to watch, and everyone was tuning in with her, and I'd like to see the past, like, 10 years for, for Women's Basketball Championship, like, the finals. That was probably the highest-rated one. But it, baseball, I know they had a great year, and I know the game kind of revived itself, and it was more watchable, more fun. And these are two small-market teams, and maybe the players on each teams aren't that notable. I guess, but they still have some stars. But it's a bad look that the World Series didn't get very good ratings, and it only went down Game, game 3, 4, and 5. I, they were definitely rated terrible. Game 5 probably had awful ratings. I, I, I kind of lost interest in it. Uh, it's my issue with big, big, big playoffs. Now, Arizona's great and all, but at the end of the day, I don't want to see an 84-win team in the World Series. I don't. I liked when it was four teams. Uh, I was never alive for when it was two teams, uh, two teams from each uh, each division. I was never alive for when it was one team. you got to win the pennant. I just think we're seeing too many bad teams, and that was bad baseball and bad markets. But you know what? I'm not going to complain because game one was good, and that's all I want. I do want to mention, uh, let's go through—I just want to go through some of these guys who have hit walk-off home runs in the World Series. So the first one hit—the first World Series was played in 1903. So this just kind of shows how, like, the dead ball era and even, like, Ruth and Gehrig, they never had walk-off home runs in the World Series— uh, it took till 1949 when a guy by Tommy Henrich hit one. Then in 54, Dusty Rhodes. Then in 57, Game 4, Eddie Matthews hits one. That's the first time we've had a Hall of Famer hit hit a walk-off home run in the World Series. Game 7, 1960, Bill Mazeroski hits a walk-off home run to win the World Series. A famous home run. 64, we get another Hall of Famer. Mickey Mantle hits a walk-off home run in the World Series. 75, we get maybe the greatest baseball game ever played. Fisk hits one. Just an iconic home run. And then to follow it up, about 13 years later, we got to wait. And Kirk Gibson hits. Like, another probably top five most iconic home runs ever. In the same series, after waiting 13 years, Mark McGuire hits a walk-off home run. Kirby Puckett does it in 1991. That's another Hall of Famer, I'm pretty sure. Uh, then we have 1993, the second and final time that somebody's hit a walk-off home run to win the World Series. That's Joe Carter in Game 6. Touch them all, Joe. What, what, what Sean, Sean McDonough. We, I should have had that clip ready to play, but not. Uh, then we have one in 1999. The only reason I just read all these names is to say this, because... Have, has anyone? Have you guys ever heard of Chad Curtis? Because he hits a walk-off home run in the World Series. That's a pretty big deal, and it's kind of recent. And it's for the Yankees. And you know why uh, at least people my age have never heard of him? He's a pedophile. He's actually a pedophile. He, he was like a high school football coach, and he was like touching girls in, in school, in, in gym class, I think. So uh, that's why you never hear him. Then we get an 0-1. Derek Jeter pokes one out to right field in like the grossest walk-off home run ever, that Yankee Stadium short porch. Then in 2003... Alex Gonzalez hits one. 2005 Scott Pozzi hits one. I definitely pronounced that run for the White Sox. 2011 David Freeze one of my favorite baseball games I've ever played. Uh, the Rangers have been kind of suffering from that David Freeze moment, the, the two moments because he he hit the the game tying, I guess we'll call it a triple the, the game tying Nelson Cruz couldn't catch the ball. Uh, they've been they've been suffering ever since then. So it's good. I, like if that happened to me, I think that 2011, the 2011. The way that the Rangers choked, I think, is worse than the 86 Red Sox. I think it's the worst, like, choke and the toughest loss in the history history of the World Series. So, it's good that they got it. Also, about that, because those who know, I did mention Nelson Cruz. He's the guy who probably should have caught a fly ball. And if he catches the fly ball, they actually win the World Series. He's just not quick enough and not a good enough outfielder to catch the ball. It, it was—think about that. They had a fly ball to end the World Series. But, Nelson Cruz, I saw he retired, like, the day after the Rangers won the World Series. So, it— It's, you know what, everything. It's like you can forgive Bill Buckner, forgive Nelson Cruz, forgive everything. It's a great moment. And to finish this off, 2018, Max Muncie in Game 3 hit the one off Eovaldi in the 18th inning. That was, like, the happiest I've ever been to see the Red Sox lose in the World Series. I just wanted that game over. And then, obviously, Garcia. But, yeah, baseball season's over, and and we get to the offseason now. And, um, (laughs) look, I think free agency starts today, tomorrow. I think this podcast is coming on Wednesday. Free agency probably should be open. Now – we got a new GM, Craig Breslow. I don't know if you remember him. He was on the 2013 Red Sox. He, to be honest, well they had um they had uh, it was Tozawa, right? So Tazawa and him were kind of the setup man. Look, this is bad. I should have came. I should have came with more information. Pretty sure Tozawa was a right-handed pitcher and Breslow was a left-handed pitcher. So they kind of alternated the the setup role for Koji that year. But he gave his uh, introductory press conference, and he and he. I just want to play a little thing he said that that I actually really liked.
0: another Ivy League nerd with a baseball front (laughs) office job. It's true. I am that. But I'm also a 13-year big leaguer and a 2013 Boston Red Sox World Series champion, and I know what it takes to win here, and I'm willing to make the hard decisions necessary to deliver. My contribution to winning in this role will be different than it was back then, but one thing remains constant. My desire to win today is as strong as it was as a player and I can't wait to get started
1: see I like that because guess what everyone's like a Ivy League nerd that's running baseball organizations now the difference is he's played he knows what it's like in the clubhouse you know he knows what it's like being on a team he knows what it takes to win he did win um he, it's the difference between him and Hein Boom Hein Boom did not have that experience that's he knows how he knows what it means to be a player he knows what it takes as a player to win Hein Boom didn't have that. Look, I like that. The rest of the press conference, it was like an hour. Of him using big words like uh, obsequious, ob- obequious, whatever. I, I, who cares what it is? It, and 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 then you get people calling you a nerd. And you get the. I'm just going to play the the king of uh, Boston sports talk radio. Let, let's hear what he had to say about what. What are his thoughts about Craig Breslow? He he hasn't even done anything yet. What What does he think about Craig, Craig Breslow? Is it going to work out? Is it going to work out, Mister Felger? You can know, already tell. There's tone in my voice. Uh, it's because I don't know, Maz. I'll just tell you. Yeah, go straight up. No. (laughs) Nope. 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 Yes. Nope. Nope. Yes. Yes. No. No. Yes. Yes. Nope. Yes. I can't stand the way these modern baseball executives talk. The way these modern baseball executives talk. So I just want to say one thing about this. So he's already out on, on Craig Breslow. You know who Craig Breslow has, like, the exact same resume as? A guy by the name of Chris Young. I don't know if you remember him. He's kind of a late-inning pitcher, uh, I think, towards the end of his career. Late-inning pitcher. Uh, not the Chris Young that hit, played for the Yankees and the Red Sox. He was he was a late-inning pitcher. He went to Princeton, Ivy League. And uh, guess guess whose uh, baseball organization he's been running for the past couple years? Yeah, that's right. That's the Texas Rangers. So, I, look— How are you going to already be like again? I I want someone to find me an example where Felger actually like likes somebody that came to town, like a manager that they hire, a general manager, a a free agent. Is there any time where he's like, oh yeah, I really like that guy? If it's if it's a, you know, big position, I I I don't know, but we you can always assume that's going to be Felger's take. But like, dude, he's got the exact same. I know he might be a bit underqualified, but he's got the exact same resume as Chris Young. Look how that's worked out. Let's give it a shot. I'm, I'm I'm willing to give this guy a shot. Now, what's important is the owners. Now, John Henry, I saw, he was at the press conference. He didn't talk to media. But Tom Warner did. And for four years, it's felt like nobody's paid attention to the Red Sox. The two owners there, they have not paid attention. But Tom Warner actually made some comments to the media that it, it kind of made me feel good, kind of made me feel better about the direction than I have under under FSG Fenway Sports Group in a while. Because he kind of seemed like he was paying attention and knew what was going on. Let, let me let me let me play you what he said.
0: <laughs> you need great players. Um, it's not about selling the team. It's about uh, having great players. And, and generally, you know, you need players who have high war to to, to war. be uh, a winner. Um, we have you know, Raffy Devers is a is a star that will be with us for a long time. But we need to complement him with other talent. And uh, you know. One of the great players of this last uh, postseason was Garcia, right? <laughs> Who was like, what was he, uh, designated for assignment by two different clubs? So Dumpster now I sometimes say that, you know, ba- baseball is somewhat confounding. But obviously, when you look back, you need to
1: have stars. But obviously, when you look back, you need to have stars. I haven't heard that from our owners in a while. It's, you know, we've been this like kind of like, middle, middle, middling team where we don't really spend like the big boys spend anymore. But, but to hear the owner say you need star players, to hear them him, him, him mention the war was funny, but he's come a long way, Tom. And and I really like those comments. You need star players. You do. This is, this is, that's the same Tom Warner, what, about 20 years ago after the, uh, the Red Sox won their second world series, uh, under the FSG regime, he started a chant at the ballpark before the parade. You got, you got to hear how big of a dork he used to be.
0: And I would just like to start a cheer. Let's go Red Sox! Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox! Sox.
1: Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox! Sox. Go <laughs> Red Unbelievable. You know, the funniest thing about that is, you know who he kind of reminds me of in that clip? He kind of reminds me of Rob Manfred. Do You see Rob Manfred when he hands out the, what is it, the Commissioner's Trophy, the end of the World Series? It's like he's drunk. It's literally—it's like he, he, he's the worst public speaker ever. And you know what? The two finalists, I'm pretty sure, for the commissioner job when it came up the last time were Rob Manfred and Tom Warner. So it's just—maybe it, we're not getting the best and brightest. But, again, Manfred. Manfred had a great year. So going back to the Red Sox and the stars, the offseason, there's one big star that, like, everyone wants. And that's Otani. And, and look, he's the greatest baseball player ever, probably. But he's not healthy. And next year, he he's not going to be able to pitch for you. And the Red Sox need pitching, Right. And they already—I I would rather, for the Red Sox, see, they have a guy like Devers, they have Yoshida, two guys who are not great in the field. If you sign Otani, he's DH in every game. So I would rather keep the DH spot open, re-sign Turner, rotate Turner, Devers, Yoshida, whoever. Just keep the DH spot open and rotate with it. Now, what they need is pitching. And if Otani could pitch, I'd be all over him. But I think he'd be $150 million more if he could pitch next year. You don't know how many innings Otani has left. So I'm just—it's— controversial it'd be awesome if he's here but let's stay away from otani there's three big pitchers on the market i think that's yamamoto uh the kid from who who just got posted from japan uh they say he's probably the best pitcher to ever come out of japan to to be on the market doesn't mean he's going to be the best japanese pitcher of all time but he's the highest touted pitcher probably going to get over 200 million dollars might get the highest contract out of these next uh all these three guys i'm about to say Next, Aaron Nola. Obviously, you see you saw what he did in the postseason. Uh, had a couple real good games. He's a front of the rotation guy. Um, real good pitcher. Uh, I would I would like him. And then Blake Snell, who I'm not too high on because I don't know how much he's got left. Uh he's gonna win the Cy Young this year, it looks like. So I guess, but like a six, five, six, seven year deal for him. I don't know if I love uh as much as I would like to sign those other two guys, but the Red Sox have to sign one of those guys. If they want to look, I don't want to make the playoff. I want to win the World Series next year. I want to compete for the World Series next year. You talk about this core, this core, this core. Make a trade. Get Glass now. Get a, get uh Bieber, not Shane Bieber cuz he's dead. But get, make a trade for a pitcher if you if you have to. Or you got to sign one of these guys. They need a front of the rotation guy. So you get that. They also they need another, they need like a, a, a middle to rotation guy, middle to high end, so like a 2 3 hybrid. They got to sign another pitcher too, and that would come from the group of Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Lucas Giolito, or Jack Flaherty, who Jack Flaherty's like Jason Tatum's best friend, so that'd be kind of cool. But you got to get two pitchers. You got to get two pitchers and probably pay over 200 million for one of them and around 100 million for the other. And it's got to have to be the biggest offseason they've had since they got David Price. Or the biggest off, or even even maybe even bigger, the biggest offseason they had since they uh, traded for Adrian Gonzalez and gave him a big contract and signed Carl Crawford. We all know how that worked out, but they got to do stuff. If they want to compete next year, they got to get pitching. And look, Tom Werner, I'm holding you to that. You stars, that's how you win. You know how you win stars. You know who we had? We had Mookie. I know it's not hot right now, but we had Mookie Betts. He was a star. You got rid of him. Now, now you want star? it, it, it does seem like things have changed. It does. So that's, that's at least good. That's enough baseball, though. I'm going to go into something that everyone's going to hate me talking about, but I have to talk about it. I don't know if you guys saw this report, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true because I've seen it everywhere. I'm going to talk about the United States women's national soccer team. Now, I don't know. Again, you might even not know, but you probably did. Uh, they, they flailed out of the last World Cup. They were going to win their third straight World Cup. Never been done in women's or men's history, I'm pretty sure. And uh, they didn't even win their group. They finished second in their group. Ended up getting a tough game against Sweden in the round of 16. I woke up at like 3:30 in the morning to watch that game, a women's soccer game. That that sounded bad. Uh, but it, I wouldn't even wake up at 3:30 for a men's soccer game. So, um, it it it's uh, I, I, I'm rattled. I'm rattled. I shouldn't have said that. Um, I'm rattled. But. Uh, where where were we? Oh, the U S. Women's National Team, uh, Sweden. So they got blown. They didn't get blown up by Sweden. They they actually I thought played a little bit better than Sweden, and they lost on penalties. And you know that's how it is. That's how I think it was zero zero. They lost on penalties. The coach sucked, and the group of players sucked. So this report comes out that this lady Emma, I see Emma Hayes has signed a deal to become the next U uh, S. Women's National Team, U S. W N T coach, whatever. She signed to become the next. And, and I've heard that name, Emma Hayes. I just want to confirm who it is. Emma Hayes is the current coach of the Chelsea women's team. I don't think—let me explain to you. She became the coach in 2012. She built this thing from, like, from nothing. There was—I don't even think there was a league. They didn't, they didn't have training facilities. They barely had kits. They, they barely had players. They barely had a budget. They could barely feed themselves. She built it from nothing. Like, she, literally, she built it from nothing. Guess what? They win the league every year now. They're playing Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, playing all these teams— they win the league every year every year she is the best coach in women's in the women's soccer game right now i she's coming to the us national team that that's amazing honestly i would take her i would take her as the men's coach 100% she would be a better coach than 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 our boy greg right now so that's a really good thing for for the for the us women's national team and she's going to come at the end of the chelsea season so she's going to have 3 years to really get her players in obviously not transfers but find out what the next team is because you got to phase out these people that were were in on the 23 team and even on the 19 team that are still around. You got to phase them out, and you got to, you know, get a style of play and all this and and you got 3 years to do it with the best coach in the world. Look, to put it in an American perspective, it's like I'm going to say it's like getting Red Auerbach in like 1969 to come coach your team. Dead serious. Every, they win every year, they were built from basically nothing like Every the best coach be like getting Mike Shoshevsky in 1992. It would be like getting let's let's give give some respect the late uh the late great uh, Bobby Knight and um in like 1975 getting him to come up coach your team. It's a big big get. So another thing, uh, one more one more thing about the U.S. national team, I got to say, the most polarizing player athlete I think we've seen in this country. Maybe the second most polarizing athlete we've seen in this country in the past. At least in my lifetime, I probably say Kaepernick might be number one in terms of polarization. Uh, just people just go crazy about her. She's retiring. She's playing her last game uh, this weekend or sometime this week. It's the championship game in, in the American so- Women's Soccer League. Uh, you can't deny what she did for the team. I mean, they didn't win in 2011. I'm pretty sure she came in the team in 2015. Obviously, that was the Carly Lloyd team, and and they went they went bananas. I mean, they they, they Carly Lloyd went bananas, and they played great, and they had that run from from probably from 2015 to like 2020 where there was just nobody touching them. And then in 2019, the 2019 World Cup, she won the golden ball, which means she was the best player in the tournament. You know, it's what Messi, Messi won that and Messi's won that twice. You know, it's pretty pretty big deal. So, you know what, you can hate her and, and you know, there's good reason why. She's arrogant as hell. She's cocky, but I guess she kind of deserves it. But yeah, she's she's retiring and um, that's one of the things like she, she was on the 2023 team the world cup team and she should not have been there she was a distraction she was immature she was all this they were dancing they were singing they were all this after they lost so i remember seeing her dance she's a bench player she wasn't on the team but yeah i, I just want to mention mega Rapinoe, just just because that'll that'll get a reaction from some people um yeah no emma hayes emma hayes the, just, i'm telling you guys this is big like this is big really big it's it's, it's shocking to me it's shocking okay Let's get to the NBA. So the NBA started a couple, maybe two weeks ago, a week ago. And um, my God, uh, are the Celtics good. They're they're just, they're incredible to watch, honestly. Their offense has reached like a point where it's just perfection. Their defense is ridiculous. I'm going to say something here. Their defensive backcourt of Holiday and Derek White. Am I like, am I crazy to say that's the best defensive backcourt of all time? Like, am I crazy to say that? I, I really no. I'm honestly. I I don't know. Am I? If if anyone has, can can email me a better defensive backcourt than that, like oh whoever played with like uh, Ron Harper and um, Michael Jordan is probably a good one. But um, like if if you get if you get some better defensive backcourts than that, I'd like to know because it, it you might maybe there's someone as good. I don't know about better, but yeah. My God, the Celtics and then and then Porzingis, he gives them something that. Whew, they, they just haven't had—I mean, like, they haven't had since maybe, like, the first year Al Horford, and he's, like, four inches taller than Al Horford was at that time. He can score in the post. He can hit threes. He can pick and pop. And he can block shots. He struggled. He struggled against Bam Adebayo. He's going to struggle with, like, Embiid, Jokic, but so does everyone. But he changes their offense. He gives them another dimension on the offense. Um, Jalen Brown— Always gonna be streaky, but man, if he's making that jump shot, he's deadly. He is deadly. He's just gotta stop making, you know, some stupid decisions sometimes. Sometimes he he really wants to get out and run when he shouldn't. Sometimes he attacks when he shouldn't. But honestly, after that first night, everyone's going Porzingis is the number two. Porzingis is it's Tatum and Porzingis. He's the number two option. Jalen Brown the next four four games has established. No, I'm 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 the guy here. I'm 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 the second option. If we need a bucket, cook, come here. I'm go to me. And then Tatum. This is the best I've seen him play in in his career so far. And it's kind of been the same thing every year. It's like oh, this is the best I've seen him play. This is the best I've seen him play. But he is still getting better, which is which is very good to see. He's hitting his pull up jumpers so far this year. It's going to go through a stretch where he 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 won't be hitting them. Maybe maybe he won't. Maybe he won't this year. Uh, he he's playing out of the post I mean he's hitting he's hitting post shots uh he, he's 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 hitting like those fall-away jumpers he's got everything uh they say Sam Cassell has really been a big impact there and, and obviously he's finishing at the rim just a, he's a man I mean he he is a strong fully developed basketball player now and and let's see what we got I mean we already should have a championship but god we got so much time here we gotta we, we can stack him up let's get one first but and I did say before the season started, I wanted to win 60 games in the championship. You know what I'm thinking now? Uh, why not we? Why don't we win 70 games? Why not? Why can't we win 70 games? I, uh, how many teams have won 70 games? Like three, two, one. Not not one, but at least two have won 70 games. Why not? Now the why not is actually that poor Zingas might not be playing tonight because of a sty on his right eye. Uh, that might be that might be the why not. We might not be healthy enough to do it. But let's let's go for it. How, how does this team lose? I I just I really. I really don't know. So, so to, to keep going about, there's one more team I want to talk about, and then I have some some trivia questions. I'm going to try and call a guy, uh, Tommy Trevisani. He's Justin Trevisani, who helps send the show. It's his dad. We're going to, I'm going to try and call him right now. I don't know how this is going to work. I just want to ask him real quick about the Bucks. So, because uh, because the Bucks, the Bucks. Let's let's hope this Your rings. Been oh to no, re- Tommy.
2: Equipment. System is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more
1: options. This is brutal. Uh Tommy, it's uh it's Jack on uh, live on the radio right now. Uh, if you can call me, call me back if you get this message. And I, I got some trivia questions for you, and I got a few questions about uh, who you think is going to win the NBA championship. So if you see this message in, like, the next, I'll go 30 minutes, call, call me back. All right. Ah, oh, damn. 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 That one hurts. <laughs> Tommy T is a character. And, look, I, I got, I'm just going to, you know what, we'll wait because he might be here. I got names of some guys from the 80s and the 90s. Uh, like, like uh, here's here's an example. Um, Purvis Short. I, nobody's listened to the maybe maybe two percent of the people that listen to this podcast, which is would two percent would be one person. we have like fifty listeners, so um, maybe two percent on this. Po- well, then that's only Tommy. Maybe four percent. Maybe two people would get this. Where where Purvis Short went to college? I've I have ten players kind of like that. Bet you he gets them all. I really wish he answered. But I'll just go talk. A, um, no, you know I'm not gonna talk about the Bucks. The Bucks are streaky. He's a big Damian Lillard fan because going back to college, where Damian Lillard go to school, Weber State, Weber State, whatever, whatever, however you pronounce it, Weber State. I think that's small school. That's the type of guy he loves. It's like that. That that's right up Tommy T's alley. So, so yeah. No, I I really I'm, I'm I'm thrown off again because I really thought I was gonna get Tommy T there. That's too bad. Um, you know what? Uh, let's. Let's see. Oh, is he is he texting me? Oh, no, he's not. All right. uh Wait. Okay. What? What is this? Hello, hello, huh? baby. You oh. call me, oh. I can't hear a thing. I have got no service in the club, you say, say. Well, well, did you say? Oh, you're breaking up on me. Sorry, I cannot
2: hear you. I'm kind of busy.
1: Oh, he got a phenomenal call from Kevin this week. 14 minutes long. He'll tell you about his bets. He'll give you his power rankings. And he'll even let you know who's going to win the Heisman next month in New York City. Let's hear it, Kev. Let's hear it.
3: All right, Jack. Uh, solo episode for you. I'm sure you're crushing it. Um, because of this, I'm going to go very long this week. Um, which is definitely going to anger Jimbo from far, far away in Arizona. But that's what I do best, right? Um Alright, so to recap last week, it was a tough one because, like I warned about, I was away for the majority of the day. I saw the first half of the noon slate and the second half of the 7 o'clock slate, which was uh, really demoralizing because there were some great games in between. But to uh, recap the gambling, 6-6-1, six, six and one, had a tough start, um, rebounded and recovered um, pretty nicely. But lost my lock. Um, I I should just never pick Notre Dame. Like you know, it's just one of those things where you know, you if you pick your own team, you know, things just don't go your way. And Notre Dame's a bunch of chokers, but they should have never, ever, ever lost this game um, against this Clemson team. Uh, They're they're just Notre Dame's the better team all around. It's it's inexcusable. Um, Yeah, Freeman, uh, something needs to get done there. He he's going to get at least another year, but. Oh man, well, yeah, just not feeling it with him. But anyway, recap of all the big games that happened. I'll go to the. All
1: right, let's talk about that. So he he was three and zero going to that week with his locks of the week, right? And he was starting to get mad. He, he he was he was mad that I kept rooting against him in his in his locks of the week. I was I was always rooting against him. And and the lock. No, I did talk about the locker, but I was always rooting against Kevin. And so he pick, he tries to put me in a trap here. I hate Notre Dame. But there's one thing I hate more than Notre Dame, and that's Dabo Switty. So he picks Notre Dame against Clemson. So what am I going to do? Like, seriously, what am I going to do? Am I going to root for Clemson? You know what? I end up rooting for Clemson. Well, this is what Kevin said about the game. So he said... They have, no pre- about Notre Dame. they have no pressure, which is when they're at their best. Clemson literally has nothing to play for, and it's going to be a depressing, lifeless stadium for noon kickoff. That was the worst take ever. Kevin, it's Death Valley. They'll be 0-10, and they're going to show up and be loud there, especially at 12 o'clock, especially at 12 o'clock. And Dabo, my God, it was like he won the national championship. He had himself a week. Fighting with Tyler from Spartanburg—is that where it was? He he, and then he was pumped. He's going crazy. He's on the sideline. He actually kind of made me like him a bit more because his players really did play for him. Like again, like Kevin says, you could the players, the fans won't quit. The players could quit. They didn't. They they didn't. They won that game, and it's good seeing Kevin go down. It really is. but, but, but and, and on to the Freeman thing. So Freeman probably never should have been hired in the first place, right? But I get it. He he got this vision where it's like, oh my god, he works out, and it's like he's here for thirty, forty years, and it's like he's better than New Brockney, but it never works out like that. And and Kevin's gonna like this. There's a guy um, that we hired uh, my soccer team, Manchester United. We hired a guy, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He was quite inexperienced. He um, he played for the team. He scored a big goal for the team. He won him a big match but he really wasn't right for the ma- right he really wasn't qualified to be the manager man united and you really just wanted it to work out you wanted it to work out because he's here for 30 years he's our next sir alex ferguson he's our next matt busby sir matt busby um but it doesn't work out and and like i, I kevin said he'll probably get another year freeman um because uh, i don't know what the the buyout situation is like the contract all that but like i said he never really deserved to get the job now I do have a name for Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame is holier than thou. They're better than us. They're better than everybody. It's Notre Dame versus the world. They're, you know, morally superior to everybody. But do you sell your soul if it guarantees you a spot in the college football playoff? Do you sell your soul if you're playing for a national title? Will you sell your soul to win a national title? You guys want Urban Meyer? Would you guys go after Urban Meyer? Notre Dame guys, would you take Urban Meyer as your coach? I don't know if he's he's interested. I don't know what he's wanting, but would you would you hire the devil to coach Notre Dame? Because I think it's getting to a point where it's like I just want to win if I'm a Notre Dame fan. But yeah, Urban Meyer, that's my guy. Let, let I I would like to hear I'll probably get get to hear from Kevin. I'd assume Kevin would be a yes on Urban Meyer, but I don't know about all Notre Dame fans. But uh let's keep going with Kevin.
3: Noon Slate first. Um I said last week there were some games I thought were easy, and I was kind of contemplating which one I want to do my lock from that noon slate. Um, so Jimbo's lock was uh, Texas covering against Kansas State. Um, Jimbo was wrong. Um, Texas won, but only by three in overtime. Um, when I turned the game off, it was 17 nothing Texas. Um, so credit to K-State for bouncing Jimbo, back and getting locks. back in the game. I mean, K-State's just a good football team, so not really surprised uh, that they covered there. Ole Miss was up, like, 21-7 to against AM when I shut it off. They only ended up covering. Uh, oh, no, they didn't cover. They actually pushed, winning by three. Um, Ole Miss is a great team, um, but they have a huge matchup next week um, against Georgia away, uh, and game day is going to be there. So that will be a big one for Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart. Um, but, yeah, Ohio State, um, I, I really thought that they were not going to cover against Rutgers. Um, they ended up beating them, I think, 35-16. to um Rutgers is a decent football team. Um but you know credit to Ohio State for really uh, showing out in that one.
1: On to the games. Kevin this you can tell that Kevin must have missed that game because if Kevin saw the way that game kind of ended uh, he he would have been pissed cuz cuz that's one of those Vegas games where you just get absolutely destroyed by Vegas. No, uh, um, Rutgers had that game covered. They really, they were playing tough. They were playing good the whole game. Kind, of. not it was never. They were never going to win, but it was an 18 and eighteen and a half point spread. And then Maserati Marv scores two fourth quarter touchdowns. They win by nineteen. It's just that's gambling for you. <laughs> Here's more, Kevin.
3: Other big games, uh, the last Bedlam game, Oklahoma State with a big win. Um, I just want to shout out Mike Gundy for really turning around the Oklahoma State program, uh, at least for this season. Um if people remember, they lost to South Alabama, um, and they also lost to Iowa State, which they're a half-decent football team. But then after that, they've beaten Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma, and I think they've also beaten West Virginia and Cincinnati, too. Um, Cincinnati sucks, but, you know, still goes to show, um, you know, how big of a season, you know, they've been able to make out of this after losing to a team like South Alabama. Um, so Georgia-Missouri next. um, You know, not surprised that Missouri covered here. Missouri is a great football team, but Georgia again with with another quality win. Now beating Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, and I think they've also beaten South Carolina and Auburn. But those aren't really you know quality wins. But you know they're beating the opponents ahead of them, Uh, and so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Georgia. But you know, like I said, big game against Ole Miss. I, I think that they win that game. I, I, they're they're going to run the table now. I, I've seen enough from them, even though I didn't see them this last week, but seen enough from them um, to where they're going to be a contender um, and probably the odds on favorite to, to win the whole thing. Um. Yeah, I, I did. When we were talking about Kevin's
1: lock against Notre Dame, I forgot. So I did mention the lock off, which was our, our friend Chris Greco versus Kevin, and Kevin did win that. But Chris, so he was on one with his locks. His, his lock of the week last week, now he Boscoed this big time. He had Air Force. So Air Force, I'm pretty sure, is undefeated. A chance to actually go to one of those the New Year's Six Bowls as, as a group of five team could be wrong with that. But but he he picked Air Force against Army uh, as 17 and a half point favorites. So the reason he did this was because Chris is a, he's a UMass guy, but he watches UMass and he knows he thinks they're the worst team that's ever existed. UMS beat Army last week. So obviously Chris is like, yeah, Air Force is going to murder Army. Army won by twenty points. So Chris lost his lock of the week by 37 and a half points. That's uh, that's brutal. That's brutal. So him and him and Jimbo are 0-2 with locks of the week. I am one and one and Kevin is three and one. We gotta catch up to Kevin. But that's just a funny Army, Army Air Force, uh Army Air Force story. You never know with those service games. You never know. You really don't. Here here's here's Kevin. Uh we're gonna get on to um to next week.
3: Yeah, LSU Bama, like I said, saw the second half of this one. LSU was in the game the whole time. Uh, then Jaden Daniels got hurt, um, and then it basically just, you know, slipped through their fingers. Um, this was my lock but the week. credit to Bama. Um, you know, right before Daniels got hurt, they really took control of that game. I think they're up by either 7 or 10 at that point. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to run the table now until they uh, eventually lose to Georgia um, in the SEC championship game. You know, I think the key is just keeping Milrow in the pocket. Um, if, if you do that, I think you you have a, always have a chance of beating Bama. Running
1: back as quarterback, um,
3: but the best game of the night was Washington USC. Um, very entertaining, and I and I gotta say, like I hate Caleb Williams, but you know Michael Penix played a great game, but Caleb really outplayed him. Um, he was tremendous. Um, and it's just I mean, the defensive coordinator got fired today <laughs> from USC, and he deserves it. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy how bad that team is defensively. Um, but love seeing Caleb cry in his mom's arm after the game. Mean. Um, that that was just great because I, I still hate him, even though he's a really good quarterback. Um, and, yeah, Jimbo will cover Arizona-UCLA, but um, not surprised that Arizona won this one. They're a three-loss team, but the, if you look at, like, who they lost to, I think they lost to USC close, uh, Washington close, um, and then I think there was some other SEC team that they lost to close. Um, so, really, Arizona's actually a very good football team, even though I think they were, like, Four and three, or three and three, at one point. Um, yeah, they're they're really turning their season around. Um, but yeah, on to next week. Already talked about Georgia Ole Miss. That's the game day game. Um, that'll be a good one. But you know, I would expect Georgia to win. They match up really well. Ole Miss's defense isn't that good. Um, so I I I really think Georgia's going to win that one. Um, the big noon kickoff um, is Michigan Penn State. Um, first real game for Michigan. And uh, I think this is a you know all eyes on JJ McCarthy um, type of game. I mean, he's in the Heisman conversation, and I have not seen him play one snap Same, this year. I've not so um, at all. this will be a big, a big prove it game for him. Um, and I was looking at Michigan's schedule; it's like remarkable how bad it is. They're I think they're the best team that they've played is Rutgers or Minnesota. That like it's it's crazy. Um, Tennessee, Missouri, that's going to be a great game for neutrals. Go Valls. Um, Washington, Utah. This is actually my lock of the week. I'll just spoil it now. I'm picking Utah plus eight and a half um, away to Washington. It's going to be a three thirty kickoff for us, but it'll be a a twelve thirty kickoff for them out west. Um, you know, I think you know people are probably just thinking way too much about how Utah got blown out by Oregon, but. Uh, like I said previously, I think Oregon's a better team than Washington, and I think Kyle Whittingham and his team are up for vengeance. They just beat Arizona State by, like, 50, and uh, Arizona State, like, played Washington until the very end of their game that they played them um, away under the lights against Washington a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, not to, not to say that that's my whole point, but, you know, I, I think this Utah team, you know, is very motivated um, to hand Washington a potential loss, and I would even sprinkle the money line on that. Um, USC Oregon's gonna be a great game, but expect uh, Oregon to pummel them. And then I also wanted to shout out Florida State Miami since that, you know, for the longtime listeners of the podcast, um, they'll remember um, Jimbo picked a three team rivalry with Florida, Florida State Miami. So this is a big one for Jimbo. Um, So just wanted to note that. But Florida State.
1: We were drafting rivalries. It was like Lakers, Celtics, Red Sox, Yankees, um, uh, uh, Detroit, Red Wings, Blackhawks, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Auburn. And then he tries to go Florida, Florida State, Miami. He can't do that.
3: <laughs> it's going to win, obviously. Um, and, yeah, walk of the week. I already mentioned it. Going to go with Utah against Washington, plus eight and a half. Um, you know, that that was it's, – it's actually a tough week for picks. Like, I didn't see the board that clearly. Um, and I've been seeing it clear for the past few weeks. So this might be a tough one for me come Friday night. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if I get proven wrong on this, it means Pennix had an outstanding Heisman Day or Washington D- – Washington's defense showed up, um, and so you know that that would actually be a good thing because it would show that Washington is a true contender, and wow. we'll definitely need to watch that uh, Pac-12 championship game. It's
1: not a good, um,
3: thing if you lose but your yeah. Lock. So onto all the rest of the stuff here. You wanted me to go over my top six. Um, in reality, there's eight playoff teams, playoff contending teams in my mind, and they are, and I'll just rank them for my personal power rankings, um, and then I'll do what I think is going to happen. So my top eight power rankings right now is Georgia 1, Oregon 2. That's going to be controversial. um, Ohio State 3, Michigan 4, Bama 5, Washington 6, Florida State 7, and then Texas at 8. And then here's how I think it's going to play out. I have Georgia 1. I think they beat Ole Miss, Tennessee. I think they win the SEC championship game against Bama. I think Michigan beats, so Michigan's two. I think they beat Penn State. I think they beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten. Florida State is my third team. I have them beating Miami and Florida and then winning the ACC. I guess that would be against like Louisville or something like that. And then I have Oregon four, which I've been saying for the longest time now. They're going to run the table, beat USC this weekend. I think they have a rivalry game against Oregon State. And then beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship. I have a-
1: uh, before, before he gets up, that top four is exactly what I would say for my top four in that exact order. Honestly, I think I think Georgia's—look, I've been high on Bama, and I want Bama to win that game against Georgia. I'm going to say Bama probably has like a 25% chance of winning that game. It's not very high. Uh, Michigan, I think, is going to kill Penn State, and they'll beat Ohio State. FSU, like I said, I had always said there was a loss. There's no loss. They're going to win out. And, and and then I'm high on Oregon like he is. I, we've been high on Oregon all year. Um They're going to win out and they're going to make the playoff. I mean, they are. They just, they have to. Uh, 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 Who who does he have after uh, Oregon?
3: Ohio State five because they lose lose to Michigan. Then I have Texas at six. I think that they win out and win the Big 12 um, championship game against probably, I guess it would be Oklahoma State. Um, But yeah, I, I think they end up being the sixth ranked team, which is very harsh for them when you think about it, especially if they run the table. Um, I have Washington 7. Um, I think Washington could lose against Utah, Oregon State, or Washington State, any of their final three games. And I think that they will lose against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And then I have Bama coming in at 8. I think they run the table and then lose to Georgia in the SEC championship. So to recap again, I With think to predict then. what's going to happen, I have Georgia 1, Michigan 2, FSU 3, Oregon 4. All I right, love that. Now on to the Heisman, because you Ooh. wanted me to go over the Heisman, too. So I looked at the odds, um, and I was a bit surprised by one person in particular. So they had Penix plus 150, which makes sense. Nicks really jumped. He went to a plus 200. Jaden Daniels went up to plus 300. Then J.J. McCarthy, four, at plus 600. Jordan Travis, plus 800. And then Maserati Marv at plus 1,000. Um, I think you can kind of knock off Travis just because he's not playing against anybody, any real opponent, and Maserati Marv, just because there's better quarterbacks out there. I think Daniels, like, it's tough for me to pick Daniels just because, I mean, basically their season's over after losing to Bama, right? So I think it comes down to a three-horse race. I think it goes Penix, Nix, and McCarthy, right? Those are the three. I, I can't pick McCarthy just because I haven't seen him play, and, like, he His whole Heisman candidacy is going to be decided by this week against Penn State and then Ohio State and then the Big Big Ten championship game. So I, I just I, I can't pick the guy. I just can't. Um, I think the best player out of the three is Bo Nix, but I also think he's, like, the most boring. <laughs> um, but I, I do think he's the best player, which kind of leads me to the last one, which is Penix. I think he has the most Heismany vibe to him. He's flashy, makes big plays. Fun to watch. Kind of came out of nowhere this year um, to enter himself into the conversation. I personally just love watching him play, um, and so yeah, I, I think it comes down to either Penix or Nix in honor of the Pac-12's final year of existence. And I'm gonna give it to Penix. I like, and I know it's frustrating just picking the odds on guy, but um, you know, if we remember correctly, Jimbo criticized me for picking Penix like a few weeks ago. It's true. So. Um, I'm just continuing to ride with my guy. Um, but my only worry is that I, I do think Washington is going to lose one of their final three games, whether it's against Utah or the other two games against um, Oregon State and Washington State. And I also think that they will lose in the Pac-12 championship game. So I'm kind of going love- against logic, <laughs> at least my logic, and how they're going to play out. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, no, Kevin. But, okay, Kevin. If if Michael Penix, if he one sec, I don't know. Oh, sorry, I didn't know if the uh, my sound was still on. Uh, if, if Michael Penix in Washington loses to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, there is no way Penix in Oregon goes to the playoff. There is no way Penix wins the Heisman over Bo Nix. So how are you going to tell me that Oregon is going to win the Pac-12, but Penix is going to win the Heisman? That just doesn't really—that makes zero sense. Also, if you think McCarthy, they're going to win these two games, he'd be ahead of Penix, too, with these losses. <laughs> Look, I, the great call. Uh, I like—the top four is great, but that the Heisman, you know what? If you're going to pick him for the Heisman, you have to pick Washington. You have to. You just have to. So, no, it was a good call from Kevin. And um, we'll look forward to seeing if he's right uh, with Pennix, uh, with Georgia, with Michigan, with FSU, with Oregon. That's who we're high on. But again, um, Kevin has to change that. He has to ride with Washington. And but then again, his lock of the week is picking against his Heisman winner. He's picking against his Heisman winner. I, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I did so. I did get a text here from Jay Trev. Let me read it. Um, he says stall a little lol he ain't answering me now i'll let you know when yeah i, I don't, if we can get i don't we're, we're out of talk if we can do if we can get him to call i'm going to just get the get the 10 names and, and see how he does we're going to move on to the NFL now um I, you know what i'm going to call my my co-host here cuz i think we can get him on let's let's see we'll talk about the NFL with him and and we'll, we'll go through um J Trev's uh, picks but the, the only thing is if I call him and Tommy T call, Nah, I'll just hang up on him. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Oh, when that went straight to voicemail with Tommy T, it was one of the more depressing things ever. Oh, I don't know if this is working now. Oh, we had it. We had it with Tommy T. We had it. All right. You know what? I'm gonna it's it's not calling right now. The, the, our technology is is not great. It's it, it is it actually is great. It's the people using it like me that don't know what they're doing. So um I'm just going to text him real quick, call me, and then we're going to start going in on football. So football, (laughs) actually, wait, wait, wait. He can't call me now. I got to make fun of him. Don't call me. Wait two minutes. Please don't mess this up. So the Steelers, is the best, the Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans 20 to 16, and I guess the whole season long, they haven't outgained their opponents in any game, and they've they have a like I don't know what their record is, but it's it's definitely winning, six and three maybe. But so our guy LeBron has really started giving picks. He's really started giving picks. La Pickham, they're calling him. Let's let's hear what he has to say. He compares the Lakers to the Steelers. That's one of the funniest things ever. Here, yeah, we're like the Pittsburgh Steelers right
0: now. You know what I mean? No, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now have not uh, outgained or outscored any of their opponents in this season
1: right now, and yet they got a winning record. I love he's smirking at the end of that, like, well, I just dropped the stat. He goes, They have not been they have not outgained or outscored an opponent this year yet, have a winning record. They haven't outscored an opponent and they have a winning record. Uh, that's like the Jim Boyle keys to the game. The first one. Score more points. What this <laughs> is LeBron. He's so funny. Oh, he's so funny. His picks were funny. He had one week, he, he gave out the first week he did it, he gave out two picks and they both got creamed. Both both got absolutely cream. But yeah, LeBron's so funny. He he really. He's he's a funny guy. Uh my call co- he he th- I, this is a mess. He, he, m- m- my co-host just texts me, "You call when ready." I just said I can't call. I, I call me. I'm going to try I'm going to try call him one more time. This is this is really this is really great podcasting here. But um ah, it's not working. It's not working. I don't know. I don't know if my service is I don't I don't know. Oh. You on? No, Jack. How are you doing? Oh, you I'm can on. hear me. You you're doing? here. You're here. You're here. Yes, I'm here. All right. Do you want I'm to get talk?
0: Ready
1: to go. What? Yeah. I'm getting
0: ready to go to the basketball offices at Arizona right
1: now. The Arizona Wildcat basketball offices. Okay. Uh, nice
0: well, what do
1: you got, Jack? So, Tommy T. Is, J Treff just texted me and I called him. It went straight to voicemail. We left him a nice little voicemail. Tommy T is like okay. ghosting everyone right now. So, he's off the grid. And I'm
0: not off the grid. I'm out in Arizona. So, everybody, welcome to. A, uh, it all boils down to this uh, this is episode 13 right Jack did you get that off in the beginning I thought it
1: was 12 I said maybe it's 11 oh, and it a half
0: I don't even know now that I'm out here in the sun I don't know uh, where it is
1: I just I just made fun of you and LeBron but uh, you'll get to hear it We're gonna go there's about the Steelers game we're gonna go uh Kansas City Miami do you watch any of that game or what what time was it in Arizona when that game went off
0: well it was uh, that game probably came up at six o'clock in the morning out here We saw some of it I was following on the um just online. I do know that Kansas City got lucky in a sense; they got the big touchdown defensively, and then um, and then uh, we have. I'm, I'm just going to get struck here, and then uh, Mahomes didn't play great, but their defense is phenomenal. You know, you know how we feel about the Dolphins. It's sort of like they're they're mezza-mezza. I'm not really sold on those as a top team to make the turn the two Bowl.
1: Yeah, no, Miami. Um, the thing with my my like, what they're zero three against teams over five hundred. They're six and zero against teams under five hundred. The thing with the Chiefs right now, and Mahomes has turned the ball over way too much. He's not playing well. But the thing with the Chiefs, yeah. it's like their defense is so good right now. And if the worst part of your team is like something is your offense, and your offense has Patrick Mahomes, you're in a pretty good spot. We might we might have lost. All Patrick. right, yeah. All no, right. We, didn't,
0: we didn't. I just we're just I'm, I'm all set I have to wait down here if I'm talking because a shoot around upstairs going to text Joe and they're back I'm actually in at, ready to go to an Arizona shoot around the who? wildcat the shoot around oh uh
1: what's his name your boy I yeah. uh, love there uh who who's the coach what's his name
0: Tommy Lloyd Tommy uh, Lloyd's the coach came from Gonzaga really recruits really well to the uh international to the international people and we'll see that tonight they did you get to meet him? State. no
1: I just got here
0: we just got in I are got you going to yet. get to meet him or no uh, I don't know if I will or not, but I just met this uh, these digital marketing guy right here with the big Arizona sweatshirt on, who Uncle Joe knows really well. So they're gonna go up and have a chat when I'm finished with this. Joe, Joe, I'll text Joe and I'll go up and, and see everybody if I can. If Not it's the way it goes. We got, just got our tickets for the game tonight. So for our second, uh, my second experience of Pac-10 basketball, this is my second time here for Hoop. Cause I saw Temple play here in like 1994. So it's been about 30 years since I've been here. Football did, game was did great. they win? Uh, Temple no Arizona. Lute Olson Arizona beat them.
1: Who what who was on Aaron that? That wasn't a great uh,
0: year. That was the year. That was the year after um, Eddie and Aaron left, and it was just Ricky Brunson, Barry oh, yeah, well. Jones, Aaron left. So hey, what's up with Tommy T and everybody? So right, do, like you, do you
1: have to go, or do you have more time?
0: No, I'm, I have plenty of time. All right, because J J
1: Trev, J Trev just texted me that you can call him whenever. So we'll finish football, and then I'm going to call him. Um, what are we? Minnesota Atlanta. Do you care? You know what, actually, no. that game, that kid. You know what the I kid, care
0: about that is I care about that. the Dobbs kid came in yeah. not know what he's doing and beat Atlanta. Yeah,
1: it's amazing.
0: But, yeah, it's amazing. But that just tells you the skill of these quarterbacks. At least if, if the quarterback has the mind that can read an offense and listen quickly, he must have it. He might not have the physical skills, but at least he can do that piece correct.
1: Yeah, how about yeah, this? I don't
0: care much about that game.
1: How about this one? This is now the second time this season that Baltimore has absolutely annihilated like a B-level NFC contender.
0: Oh yeah, they're great. i to, I told you that earlier. I had I had a lot of a lot of faith. Baltimore. That division's tough, though.
1: I know. I want to you know, see. That, that I want to see. Tough. I want to see them versus Cincinnati because they're. I don't know that who. That division is tough. Yeah, I don't know who we the best. We saw team some is. of that
0: Cincinnati game out here that that was last night, right? And and the Bills the Bills were the Bills like they always are. And I hate to jump on you, Jack, but the Bills were the Bills in Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Yeah, better. no, they I mean, no. really good. Cincinnati's really good. good. They're
1: just if Burrow's healthy, he can move. They're good. Uh, Cleveland beat Arizona twenty-seven to nothing. Arizona's the worst Ooh. team in the league.
0: Um, and we were just by that stadium out here in, up in Phoenix about five days ago. Yeah. yeah. How don't about this about one? one? This
1: team's really falling apart. Um, obviously, uh, Stafford's not playing. But Green Bay twenty, Rams three. I, it's amazing. I don't even like. I didn't follow many of these games.
0: Rams did. I mean, that was a. That was on out here, where somewhere where we were, and yeah. I just got a glimpse of it. Found out that in my fantasy league, that Matt Stafford got benched. So uh, was that like your you local
1: Fox game. game or something? Yeah, they gave us know,
0: everything. Well, we... Of course, it's a local Fox game because we're we're in Phoenix.
1: I know they gave us a game. It's the worst game I've ever seen on on television. It was Indianapolis versus Carolina. Oh, well, that, I've, I I couldn't believe it was on TV. I could not believe they gave us that. that. But, yeah, we won't talk that about hurts. that game. Um, Tampa Bay loses to Houston. C.J. Stroud, totally man. No, but who cares? But C.J. Stroud. Woo. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stroud. yeah he was, should
0: have been the number one pick.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we, well, saw a definitely quarterback but...
0: here. we saw a quarterback here, and I can't pronounce his name for Arizona, who uh, just about in And Arizona played really well here, about 40,000 fans for homecoming. And they played well. You said it was crap. Said
1: it was just crap. Yeah, no, they, like
0: a, Chip Kelly, they were terrible. They, they had three quarterbacks; they all couldn't do. They couldn't get out of their own way. Arizona yeah, beat them. Okay, next pro
1: game. Well, this is the one we're going to really talk about. Um, pa- did you catch any of the Patriots? No. Uh, look, it should honestly, it, it shouldn't have been that close. Like Washington should have beat them by more. It's a couple bad turnovers. Um, you know, Mac made some bad plays. Juju Smith Schuster cannot catch the ball. If Juju Smith Schuster catches the ball, at worst, they're going overtime. But um right. Pats are bad, man. Uh, to, I know well, they're
0: bad, and so is Washington. And now the question is, out here, everybody asks you, "What's going on with Bill?"
1: Well, yeah, gonna get, I, are they
0: going to let go of Bill? Is Bill going to go? That's that
1: seems You drive in. You, I drive time. in. It's 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 a one minute drive from our house to here, and and okay. it's it's, it's it, you put the radio on and you hear Bill. Bill sucks like fifty times.
0: Yeah,
3: it's well, unbelievable. You know,
0: nobody remembers. Nobody remembers the twenty years of great play. Every once in a while, you're going to have some terrible teams. Yeah, he'll be. I, I can't. I can't imagine that he leaves. But um, the problem is, it's, though, the though, it's Statter's so bad. so leave. bad
1: that I never thought they would be two and seven under Bill Belichick. Did you?
0: Well, think about it. they yeah, no. They're yeah. You know what? They could. It's it, Football NFL is weird. It, it's it. It happens. This is what happens when you lose your best defensive players and you can't stop anybody. He's always cut his teeth on playing great defense, and yeah. he. If he loses his best players, he's not going to be great because best players in the most never, important
1: positions too. Yeah,
0: the, right, his his offense was only only really got fired up and great for those five or six years when Brady, you know, 0-7 to thirteen, and they didn't make the playoffs much that in that period. Of time. Well, they didn't do much, much in the playoffs. fact, it wasn't back on. I'm well, right. They didn't do much. It Doesn't make the Super Bowl, and they yes. didn't do much um, until well, they, they, did make they, it twice. they stepped <laughs> up their defense.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah but thing. but the thing, I mean, like, 2008, their team was so good, they had Matt Castle won 11 games, so. Um,
0: right, he because, can, they're, because they're, they're, their offense was that good, too, so, yeah. Well, yeah, he's But the majors are done, you know, Walker. it's sort of like the Red Sox last year, you get in the end of August. It's worse. And, um, you know, yeah, they might be worse than the Red Sox,
1: that's true. All right, Vegas Hopefully. killed the Giants, what's his name, Torres ACL, Daniel Jones. Timing is everything, he got, like, a $160 million contract last year. And if yes. if if he had torn his if like he had not got that contract yet and it was due like the next year, he was right. uh, he would not 160 million dollars would be like 50.
0: I want to be shocked um, if that coach gets fired too. So there's an opening. Everyone hates if you him want there.
1: To. Oh, the Giants. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. But I don't know if he wants that job. I wouldn't want that no. job. It's the same thing. Especially
0: with no quarterback. He's like already. Are they playing the drums over there? We're we're right underneath the basketball arena. Right across from the football stadium. There,
1: There is and one the drums There is one team, what? and the one team, I keep saying it, and, and me and Jay Trev love them, and did you see this game, Dallas versus Philadelphia? Oh, what an ending. We
0: saw the game. Ugh. I saw the game, and you know what? I'm back. That's Sarah and guy's an idiot. He's an idiot. Yeah, they, Just the, an idiot. The
1: Eagles wanted to lose that game. They wanted to lose that game. And Mike McCarthy is an even bigger idiot. That's why I well, know. Mike
0: McCarthy can't. Can't manage his time anyway. Yeah, but he and sure the quarterback
1: I, can't either. But look, you can't have a coach and a quarterback that don't know what they're doing. You got to have one that knows what they're doing.
0: Correct, correct. And the I, quarterbacks I, I, got Hurt's talent. Played really well though. You got to give Hurts a lot of credit. He when when he needed to make some plays, he did.
1: I think I could they complete a pass to AJ Brown though.
0: Yeah, they were fortunate on that last play where the guy fumbled, it where Brown ran into the running back, they were very yeah. fortunate. That was the, except it really didn't
1: matter because they still got down to the six yard line.
0: Right, and then they then they committed the time uh, the um then, they had the time management problem, and then they had the whole the holding penalty, right? Yeah, yeah and, and Dak took a sack. Oh, no, the sack, not a hold, and a sack, the sack. He Dak took two sacks and two separate drives, which he didn't need
1: to take. You're right, but I agree with that that that, I, I, that roster is I'm perfect, perfect for Bill Belichick, perfect. But the only issue is, I don't think him and that probably. owner would get along. <laughs>
0: Probably not. Probably not. And the Eagles are still the best team in the NFC, so I guess yeah. And, but and, and there's and like five AFC teams I take over them. I've seen some around here today. They haven't hit their full stride yet either, and so beware. Yeah. Okay. You know their defense is really the defense isn't that bad. Although Hassan Redick, my Temple boy, got a uh, late penalty that didn't really help. A little. He, he blew. He blew. blue kisses at the quarterback, and Dak fell down.
1: Oh, they the haven't hit their the stride game. yet. Like what, what? How do we know? Like they're gonna hit their stride?
0: That's what people are saying in Philly.
1: Who are people? You know, like you're Pop in
0: Arizona. Said. No, I was talking to Pop. What does he know? Philly. I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of um, I have a lot of inside information. Yeah. You know? All right, that's no, all about
1: football. So, um, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go before I read the j Trev stuff because this is this is a lot okay, of, a lot of stuff.
0: How, how 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 long are you into this thing now? Has Kevin gone yet?
1: Oh yeah, I'm probably. What time is
0: it? It's late. It's, well, my time it's two eighteen, so your time eight four eighteen. So I probably
1: probably been going for for 45 minutes.
0: Okay, good. So listen, just so everybody knows, we're going to be back. uh, I'll try to edit this on Wednesday, get it out. I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday morning, you and I, and hopefully Greco on, on the air on um, Wednesday afternoon. All right. Don't forget whatever, I I think it's episode 13, by the way, but Maria will help us out. So it's good to talk to you, Jack. Um, When I get back, I'll fill you in on all the wild stuff we've done out here, all the hiking and stuff that uncle Joe has me climbing and going on my belly and going my butt down, scrambling up mountains and stuff like that. So, uh, Good luck with the rest of the show, and for everybody out there. For uh, it all boils down. This is Jim Boyle, and I'll see you on down the road.
1: All right, perfect. Good, good talking to you. It's good that we have this technology. Um, we're gonna before we get to Jay Trev, we're going to his dad. Apparently, he's ready to be called right now. We're gonna make this real quick um, because I, I we're not gonna talk about basketball or anything. I just I just want I just want these ten names. I just want I because it's so I, it's awesome hearing him do this. I really hope this calls. Do, 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 do. All right. I, I don't know if it's calling. Hello? Tommy, is this you? Can yeah. you hear me? Perfect. Yep. Wow. All right. We don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time left in here. So, what we're going to do real quick I got 10 names yep. for you. 10, 10, yep. 10 guys from the 80s and the 90s. You got to tell me where they went to school. Okay. All right. Rick Mahorn, Hampton Institute. <laughs> Michael Adams.
2: Boston College.
1: Rick Carlisle.
2: Virginia.
1: Do you know where else he went? He went to school before this. Yes,
2: University of Maine.
1: Jesus Christ. Purvis Short.
2: Jackson State.
1: Bill Cartwright.
2: University of San Francisco.
1: (laughs) Rolando Blackman.
2: Wow, Kansas State.
1: Terry Cummings.
2: DePaul.
1: Craig Hodges.
2: Mm, oh, shit. Uh, Larry
1: Bird three point contest, right? That was Craig yeah, Hodges. I know, I know. <laughs> I
2: think. Is it a small? I don't Oh, yeah, it's I'm small. A, it's
1: West, a Coast. small school? West Coast. West okay, Coast small getting, school. Pepperdine? Nope. Cal State Long Beach. I would have never got there. Wow. <laughs> Craig Hodges. All right, two okay, more. Sydney yep. Moncrief.
2: Arkansas
1: and then Rory Sparrow.
2: Villanova.
1: Wow. All right. Nine for ten. Craig Hodges, a real, yeah, and you sc- a real scrub. Weird,
2: you just, you know, I know. Cindy Moncrief was born the same day as me, October second.
1: The same, the same day, not the same year though. Yeah. Right? No.
2: No.
1: <laughs> All right. No. That's it, pretty good. It was great. Great talking to you. We'll, we'll get, we'll get this set up better next time, and um, we'll we'll do a longer segment. Real quick. Um, who's gonna win the NBA championship? This year, yeah,
2: I'm I'm gonna tell you. Well, I'm, I'm gonna go out on the limb, but I I think it's so. I think it's gonna be Boston or Milwaukee, but
0: Let's
1: go. I know
2: it's gonna sound crazy. I don't want to say I, I think. Uh, wow, I just with the Celtics, they just. I think Milwaukee's gonna win it. I
1: knew you're gonna say that. Have you have you watched any of the Celtics this year?
2: Yeah, they look awesome. Oh, they're unbelievable. They, still, like, they, they scare me in the playoffs, though. So I still don't trust Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they they might be able to get away without him.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think the key, the key signing is the kid from. I think the kid they got from. from yeah,
1: Milwaukee. yeah, him, and then just getting. And P- I know Porzinga, and I'm a big guy.
2: Yeah, I know, and, and I'm a big Lillard guy, of but course. I don't know about Milwaukee either.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I they've go been either way. They've been streaky this year, in Milwaukee. They don't, they don't play no they defense are, but anymore. when
2: them two come playoff time, though, you know, they got two ones. Yeah, we well, still can't that. The, the big issue we'll with say.
1: the big issue with the Celtics is they're like I had already mentioned this, but uh, Porzingis they say might miss the game tonight with the right eye thigh. It's already starting. Yeah, he's
2: gonna be. <laughs> he's he's gonna Do interest. all fuck it. Yeah. It's gonna yeah, and then I'm telling you, but the Celtics still look good. I mean, yeah, Tatum uh, looks incredible. Hey,
1: they 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 might not beat him, but they they could stay on the court with the eighty six Celtics.
2: Yeah. Get out of here!
1: That they, they, you don't think they could? If they played a seven-game series, they could win two games. Not even close. Yes, the they South could. No, Are you on no mind? Yeah, no, who I'm not. What are you talking about? You don't. You don't but think they could give them a Parrish? game? What? I don't even care about bird. I don't I mean care Harris. about parish. Who, who's? Who's covering parish? Who's covering Tatum? Who's covering McHale?
2: I know that's. A good, I don't know. Um. Well, I know. Maybe the 86 team. Scott Wedman? I don't know. <laughs> okay, Not <Enough yeah>. Bird. <laughs>
1: all right. I, I, I don't know. They'd they, they they'd be able to give him a game. I, like I said, they wouldn't beat them, but they, I think they could play with them.
2: Uh, Jack, I know. It's all different. You can't compare. This is why we got You can't compare errors. It's odd.
1: Yeah. It's uh, odd. Yeah, but the okay. point
2: is, you're talking about Bird, Parrish, McCann. I mean, the thing is, like, they would even match up with Bird more. Sick as it sounds. Tatum could cover Bird. No one could cover Michael or Parish.
1: Yeah, that you know? the size. Yeah, the the size would probably be a problem. Yes.
2: Right. I mean, it's all relative, and then you know you got DJ and Ainge. I just you know, I know I'm gonna be biased. That '86 team, I think, is the best team that's ever lived in any type of sport. I, I mean, I probably agree with
1: that. Maybe best. not any sport, but I I would oh, ag- yeah. I would agree with that. Good. I, I, yeah. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. We'll see what happens. All right, buddy. Yep. Take care.
2: All right. Bye.
1: All right, that was Tommy T. God, I, oh, I really wanted him to get Hodges. So we're gonna, I'm going to do that. we got to do that more. So Tommy T, keep, keep, if you're keeping track at home, he's 9 for 10. And you guys following along, I'd be stunned if anyone got 9 out of 10. I'd be stunned. All right. Now on to, on to his son. We're going to go back to football. we got J. Trev with his scouting breakdown of the week. It's very long this week, about 1,500 words. So cut me some slack if I mess up a little bit. I'm going to try and read this good. So, for the Team of the Week, uh, do we have a sponsor here? Team of the Week, Team of the Week, J. Trev. Uh, no. Oh, uh, we'll do a Rivals uh, rivals uh, AAU program. Uh, what's the dude's name? McFadden. Um, after the Ravens' 32-point beatdown of the Lions two weeks ago in Baltimore, they were my easy choice for the Team of the Week. On Sunday, they returned to Baltimore to face the Seahawks in what was supposed to be the premier matchup of the 1 o'clock slate. But instead, we got another non-competitive game in which the Ravens won 37-3. I hate to be boring, but by default, the Ravens are my pick again this week. For those keeping track at home, that's a combined 75-9 score in their last two home matchups against two clear NFC playoff teams. What the Ravens are doing right now is insane, and they're doing it in a variety of ways that makes them difficult to plan for. Against the Lions, it was an all-out aerial assault. This week against the Seahawks, it was domination on the ground, similar to what we've seen from the Ravens in the Lamar era, but in a more balanced manner. Undrafted free agent Keaton Mitchell made his name known to the rest of the NFL after a 138-yard, one-touchdown day. He has the big play potential and long speed that their other veteran backs don't offer. In-house, the Ravens have known he would play a big role for them eventually, and yesterday's breakout seems like the start of that. Lamar did what he had to do through the air, completing 21 of his 26 passes for a 96 passer rating, but it was a more methodical day for that aspect of the offense. The Ravens are the number one defense in the NFL in weighted DVOA. All right, I have absolutely no idea what DVOA is. Defensive value above average? Defensive value above? No, that can't be. Okay, <laughs> what is DVOA, J-Trump? The Ravens are the number one defense in the NFL in weighted DVOA, and the eye test proves it. Even with some injuries, they're deep up front. Their linebackers are consistently making plays around the football, and their defensive backfield is always great in in great unison, mixing up their coverages and being in the right spots. It's an incredibly well-coached group with impressive depth at every position and emerging stars at each level. They are excellent getting off the field on third down and have done a great job forcing turnovers each week. From a pure football standpoint, the Ravens' defense might be my favorite unit to watch in the league. These Ravens are legit. Yeah, no. I mean... We talked about it. They're they're killing teams. I want to see I want to see them play. You know, fully healthy Bengals. I want to see how that game goes down. Um, don't know if they play the Chiefs, but that doesn't matter. It's the Bengals. I don't know who's better, the Chiefs, the not Chiefs. I don't know who's better, the Bengals or the Ravens. Probably at the end of the day, I'm going to go with Burrow. But my God, th- th- some of these results that th- th- what they the Ravens have done to playoff teams in the NFC, what the. But the Dolphins are doing to like the Broncos. So it, it, it it's impressive what they're doing. The worst there were worse performance. So this is the worst performance of the week. There were far worse performances than the Dolphins had this week, but because we need to address some of their struggles, they're getting this week's shutout shout out. The Dolphins are six and three, and unless they completely fall apart, we'll be playing a playoff game in January, but it's really hard to consider them a contender at this point. They're six and zero against teams under five hundred and 0 and three against teams over the mark. This year's this year's is team is in its own entity, but with the Dolphins having one win over a team with a winning record in the last 700 days, there's a huge dark cloud that can't be ignored. So so, so they haven't beat a team with a winning record in 700 days. When are they going to come out against a good team and look like the more prepared, physically tougher squad that makes more plays in critical situations? They made a nice comeback in the second half against the Chiefs on Sunday in Germany, but it wasn't enough. Defense has been getting better as the season has progressed, which is a big silver lining. But that was expected with the Vic Fangio with Vic Fangio running the show and Jalen Ramsey returning. Is this offense fraudulent? Sure, they are averaging four hundred and ninety points, four hundred and ninety yards and over thirty five points a game in their wins, but where are these caliber performances against the better teams? Kansas City had little trouble preventing explosive plays on Sunday, and they actually allowed zero points in three of the four quarters. It is the best defense Mahomes has had since he's in the league, but with the personnel and play caller the Dolphins have, it was another underachieving day. There are definitely issues up front with the Dolphins' offensive line, but I also worry about their ability to come from behind when the defense can put a big cover over the offense. Do they have enough patience and short area execution to sustain drives when the big play isn't there? The run game is always well-designed, but they must remain committed to it and not let an early deficit deter them. Two have really struggled yesterday when the KC defense rotated into a different look post-snap. Two is at his best when he knows where he is going with the ball pre-snap because of how accurate and timely he is throwing the ball. The Shanahan-style McDaniel offense is great about making those reads easier, but if the defense clouds the picture up and dictates coverage themselves, things become much harder. We'll see if the book is out now on how to defend Miami going forward. Yeah, look, he's right. You can't. How are you going to call? How are you going to call the 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 Miami Dolphins a contender? How? Like they're, they're frauds. Did you hear that? They have not beat a team like he says they're their own entity this year. But they have not beat a team with a winning record in seven hundred days. The Patriots, the Patriots haven't even done that. I don't know. That that's that's really concerning. And yeah. I don't know. That Chiefs game, I don't know. they Like he said, they scored points in one quarter, and, and they sucked the rest of the game, and two had a horrible throw at, at the end of the game there. You underthrew a guy by 20 yards. I don't, I don't know what happened. Let's see. So, so J. Trev's got actually two high-level performances this week because he, he loves one of the guys here, and so do I. But the first high-level performance on Sunday, C.J. Stroud. He's the real effing deal. The second half that he had against the Buccaneers is one of the best halves of football I've ever seen by an NFL quarterback. The fact that it was in week nine against the bad Buccaneers team at home and in a limited pressure situation will limit the conversation around the game, but in a vacuum, it was probably the most impressive performance I've seen this season. He totally willed the Texans to victory, and he is already at the point in his development where the team is winning because of him. Every time the Bucs scored to tie the game or take the lead, Stroud marched down the field and answered with authority. The touch and placement he showed on his downfield passes yesterday was insane. He is already one of the five most accurate quarterbacks in the league, and that might not be high enough. He is consistently poised and hardly rushed, always operating at his own pace. You can tell how comfortable he is with the offense, which is also a compliment for the first-year offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. He plays with a ton of moxie and is extremely confident in himself and his guys. Some NFL people were worried about his decision-making during the draft process, but he has shown an excellent ability to go to the right place with the football. So, yeah, Stroud... Stroud boys stand up. I um I did not watch much of Stroud. I saw some highlights. Throws a good ball, accurate. Like J. Treff said, I think J. Treff called him. I don't know if he said here, but I think J. Treff called him. Yeah, he said it, he did say it here. Already one of the five most accurate quarterbacks in the league, and that might not be high enough. That that's a pretty pretty impressive compliment. I'd like to know who the other four are. Uh, but J. Treff also had to give a shout out. So this guy takes a lot a lot of shit. He takes a lot of shit. Everyone hates him. Blame for everything. Bomb, bomb. You're a bomb. You're a bomb. Stephen A. Smith, actually, I saw him first take. We were expecting him to go off on him, but he said, I can't blame this guy today. And you know who that guy is? Dak. Jtrev. As J. Trev says, as president of the non-Cowboy fan, as the president of the non-Cowboy fan Dak fan club, I don't know about that. I might be the president, but we'll see. I was thoroughly impressed by the way he played against the Eagles. There will be plenty of chatter for the sack he took and the subsequent delay of game on the final drive, which he should not be off the hook for. But if there is someone out there who watched the game and thought Prescott was the reason the Cowboys didn't win. Uh, this is like a run-on sentence, sorry. Uh, but if there are some out there who watched the game and thought Prescott was the reason the Cowboys didn't get it done, then they simply are not watching the same sport. That was not a run-on sentence. I just can't read. This was one of Dak's finest games that I've seen, and it is unfortunate it couldn't end in a win because the Cowboys looked like the better team, in my opinion. He made a bunch of high-level plays out of structure that moved the chains and led to points later in the drive. His ball placement all game long was right on the money, and he did an excellent job of keeping the ball out of harm's way. His offensive line had a horrible day, and in spite of that, he hung in and delivered laser beams in the heart of the Eagles' defense. If that is the DAC we are going to see for the majority of the season, the Cowboys will firmly be in the mix in the NFC. I think the Cowboys are going to win the NFC. It's going to come together. Again, like I had said maybe last week, two weeks ago, they need the bye. They're not getting the bye anymore, obviously, because the Eagles are probably going to get that. And it's tough to go three straight games to get to the Super Bowl without Dak just having a total clunker, like a total disaster class. But I got faith in him. I got faith in him. He's going to do it. And I don't think the teams in the NFC are that good. Like, the Eagles are the best, and I'm not sold on the Eagles. Who was the worst? Okay, so speaking of the Cowboys offensive line having a horrible day, Terrence Steele deserves some extra attention for his abysmal day. Steele allowed 14 pass pressures himself. That seems like a lot. And allowed four of the five sacks that Cowboys took. Those are typically numbers allowed over close to a half season for an above-average lineman. Yet, yeah, Jesus, that's terrible. And this isn't some scrub who was just thrown in at right tackle and hung out to dry. This is a player the Cowboys just extended to a huge $90 million contract. As a core player for the present and future of the Cowboys, it was an alarming performance. On the final sack of the day that pretty much ended the Cowboys' chances of winning, he was beaten by Josh Sweat in just over a second which gave Dak zero time to get rid of the ball. Dak has to do everything in his power to get rid of that ball and give his team three more chances at the end zone, but realistically, he had no shot to do so. On the bad reps that we saw live and on replay during the game, he wasn't even close to stopping the rusher. He was practically inviting the pressure. He was easily the worst player on the field and should and should shoulder a lot of blame for the Cowboys' loss. And I must acknowledge the refereeing throughout the league. Once again, we saw throughout a handful of games a bunch of phantom penalties and horrible calls that heavily impacted the game. It's beginning to become a real problem that the NFL has to address sooner rather than later. The Cowboys got killed twice late in the game, a horrible illegal formation penalty in which there's evidence the six offensive linemen reported as eligible, and also the suspicious picked-up hands-to-the-face penalty when it was hands-to-the-face. The The roughing the passer called against the commanders on Mac Jones is the worst call I have ever seen, and that's saying something. That Mac Jones call was awesome. Honestly, it was was awesome. It was so bad. It was just the most normal sack you'll ever see. But to go off the refs, this is—I keep mentioning soccer and that, but— this is happening in a lot of sports right now. Just the quality of refereeing is terrible, and I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's, maybe it's just more attention to it. I don't know. Maybe it's more like, more play on social media or whatever. But I, 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 I can't, I can't figure out why. Why all of a sudden it just seems like every league is having a crisis with officiating. But, but, but. I don't know. I, they'll, they'll get over it. I mean, people... It happens every... People are pissed. At, remember the Super Bowl last year? They call that basically the end of the game. People wind up with that forever and calls, 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 calls. We'll get over it. Um, But yeah, that's football. Uh, I just wanted to say, this is my top five. This is my power rankings right now. I have Chiefs one, I have Bengals two, I have Ravens three, I have Eagles four, and I have Cowboys five. I love the Cowboys. God, I love the Cowboys. I want the Cowboys to win. Nah, well, I want the Chiefs to win just because, you know, we're legacy chasing here. But... If I had to pick another team to win, it would it would definitely be the Chiefs. Um, so yeah, that's that's everything basically. Uh, I was gonna do college basketball, a little preview for college basketball because that does start tonight. But if we're in on Wednesday and if Chris is gonna be here, I'm gonna save it for them. But what I did do is we're doing a little contest here because gambling's in. Um, I had uh, me, I had Justin who contributes, I had Kevin who contributes, and I have Chris who will be on the show next week or, or this week. If we do it, uh, I had just five picks. Five picks, one lock. Uh, we're gonna do it once a week. You're gonna give your five five picks in college basketball, and by the end of the year, we should have probably 20 a week, but 100, but around 100 100 picks. So I got I got Hampton against <laughs> my picks. My picks are Hampton plus six and a half against Howard, Missouri State plus four and a half against West Virginia. You know West Virginia without the Huggy Bear and all the turmoil they've been in. Uh, that's a big hater bet by me right there. Uh, Syracuse, minus 15.5 versus UNH. Hater bet. UMass, UMass, University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, plus 14.5 versus Temple. Hater bet. And I like Temple, but I, I you can't bet Temple. You just can't. And then Morgan State, plus 31.5 versus Arizona. Big time hater bet, just because just because Jimbo's going to be in, in the crowd. Um, Kevin's got Xavier, minus 16.5. He went to Xavier. I do have something about Xavier. He, he did send me a little bit something about Xavier, but we, we'll save that. Uh, Kansas State plus three and a half. I don't know who they're playing. He didn't say, uh, Purdue minus 19 and a half, Oregon minus six and a half. And then West Virginia minus four and a half. Rip Huggy Bear lock. (laughs) He's wait. Is what is he alive? Is he alive? Oh, hmm. I, I know he went through all this stuff and he DUIs and, you know, saying bad words, but. Why do I feel like he like paternoed it and just just passed away? I don't know. That that's a weird moment. I hope he's not dead. But you know, rip huggy bears. It's funny. Rip huggy bear lock. So so Kevin's got his lock, and I I got my pick against that. My lock, by the way, is um is is UMass versus Temple. I really I really don't think Temple's covering. Uh, J Trev, his lock K State plus three and a half. Kevin has that too. Uh, UNH plus 15 and a half. That's going against me. Or well, more, I'm going against them. Duke minus twenty seven. That's a lot of points, but they're probably playing a one of those, you know, fruitcake teams. Uh, Purdue, minus 19. Winthrop, plus 14.5. So those are his picks. And then uh, Chris has Tennessee Tech, under 134. I love betting the under in college basketball. Uh, Dayton, minus 15.5. Colgate, minus 7. Kansas State, plus 3. And then UConn, uh, minus 26.5. Again, a ton of points, but they are the defending chance. And I'm pretty sure his lock is Dayton. So, um... I think that's all I got this week. Uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show solo. Um, We'll be back in. I don't know when this is going to get out by. It might be a bit late, Wednesday, Thursday. But, uh, yeah, it was fun doing it. And uh, we'll see you again.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of It All Boils Down to This, recorded at WCTV Studios in our hometown of Wilmington, Massachusetts. We're always open to any ideas, critiques, topics, and guests. So if anyone out there in podcast world needs to get a hold of us, we can be reached via email at jboyle 22 at comcast.net. Along with Jack Boyle, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune in to the next edition of It All Boils Down to This.